Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome back to the 17th I Thirst follow-up here with Father Jacob Shea. Today we're going to talk about being a priest, and this is about holy orders. It is amazing to be a priest, and we really have to just give everything to God and thank Him for this great gift of priesthood. Even though it has been marred by the sins of human beings, all of us included. Here we really have to see that the glory of the priesthood is something that shines through everything and that will always, in a certain way, in the very office of it itself. It's just such a beautiful gift of God. It is the sacred heart of Jesus incarnate here in men, as St. John Vianney says. And so we have to see the beauty of the priesthood in this beautiful sacrament. And when this happens, you really see that the bishop, he lays hands and he puts his hands over the ordinand. The ordinand means the person to be ordained. And that's going to be here. Uh, we'll take it first as a deacon. So he's just a regular lay person first. And he's not ordained. This is in the new mass. And then the Bishop will ordain him. Only a bishop can do ordinations. So here the man is ordained and there's the specific consecratory prayers, the words of consecration to make that man a deacon. And then afterwards, after maybe a year or two, depending on what program he's going through or his formation, etc., then the bishop will lay hands over the deacon and then pronounce the words of consecration to make him a priest, basically saying, I give you the dignity of the priesthood. And then after that, after the laying off hands and the saying of that, namely, I give you the dignity of the priesthood, I bestow upon you the dignity of the priesthood, then that man is completely changed forever. This is something that we cannot even begin to see. When the angels look at a priest, they see a power given to such a measly person, you know, just like us. And we're just like this speck of dust. But God has given us this infinite power. And it is truly an infinite power to say the Mass to hear confessions, to do the sacraments. And when the angels look at this, they are in complete awe that this is possible because God loves us so much that he would make men, some of men, priests, and be able to do this. And this is something that we will be meditating upon forever. The priesthood is a sacrament that is given to men, and it is a sacrament that puts an indelible mark upon that man's soul. And so you can never erase it. This is something that we really have to understand that the priesthood once is given is eternal. 
And even if somebody is quote unquote laicized here because the priest has done a lot of bad things or maybe the priest, you know, has gone insane or, you know, a lot of these things happen where the priest is no longer able to function publicly. He is laicized or there's something that happens maybe other things that we uh, don't know, then the bishop can laicize him or the pope can laicize a man. And what that means is that he is then forbidden to do any public ministry or even private ministry. He cannot hear confessions. He cannot say mass. And the only thing that he would be able to do is if somebody is dying and they need a confession, then that priest would be able to give them confession in articulo mortis, which means in the point of or the verge of death. And that's the only time he could actually exercise his power of priesthood. And so laicization, what that means is that he's still a priest forever. It's just that he is forbidden to exercise his ministry on some level or every level. And so we see that the priesthood is an eternal gift. You cannot erase it. You can kind of put stops to it, as it were, but it's still there forever. Priests in hell, you can see those, right? Uh, priests in heaven, they're marked indelibly. And thus we see that the priesthood is one of the three sacraments that give the indelible mark. And that is therefore shown by the chrism that is given to the priest. And so remember, baptism, confirmation, and the holy priesthood are the three sacraments, only these three, that give an indelible mark. That is the mark on the soul that's made a spiritual mark. It's kind of like a spiritual tattoo, but here it's a spiritual mark that you cannot remove. And so baptism, you use chrism, confirmation, the confirmand, that is the person to be confirmed, will be anointed with chrism. And then here in holy orders, uh, the priest is also anointed with chrism on his hands. It's just soaked in that beautiful chrism, which smells like heaven. And then his hands are wrapped in beautiful linen. And then that linen is then taken and uh, the mother of uh, the priest gets to be buried with that. And so here it's just a magnificent thing. Uh, by the way, the stole uh, of the priest is what the father gets buried with, the father of the priest. So there's just so many beautiful traditions and customs that um, surround such a magnificent gift. And so here we see that an indelible mark is given to that priest. And what that mark does is now the priest has that infinite power to, with just puffs of you know, air that come out of his mouth when he says, this is my body. When he says that with the intention of the church, with the proper matter that is bread, when he says those words, this is my body, for this is my body, then that bread is transubstantiated. It is changed, right, into the very flesh of God, right? The angels cannot do this. The Blessed Virgin Mary can't do this. This is something that is given only to men. And this is why the angels marvel at the power of the priesthood. They cannot do this at all. They can be our guardians. They can help us. They can inspire us. They can protect us from demons. But they cannot say mass. And so here, this magnificent sacrament is something that we must treasure. We must never, ever let the devil or the world deface or efface 
the glory of the priesthood because it is really the sacred heart of Jesus. That is the pure, infinite love of Jesus shown to us. This is why, for example, when priests, um, you know, are greeted by people, many people will kiss their hands. Or, for example, the Filipino people will put their hand, the hand of the priest, to their forehead, right, in order to show their reverence uh, to the office of the priest. It's not like we're great people, you know. <laughs> Here, it's not like we're trying to get this favor, but again, it's an act of humility. If somebody does that to me, am I going to like go, you know, or just like slap them or something like that? No, I'm not going to do that, right? It's out of humility that it's not me, but it's the office of the priesthood that really just deserves right such reverence because it's again the sacred heart of jesus incarnate in a measly person like me or another priest right and so here again we cannot let the glory of the priesthood be effaced whatsoever now the priesthood again has been attacked most by the devil and you know it's true that the last attack on the world by the devil on human beings will be on the family Right. Uh, that's very true, according to Sister Lucia, the seer of Fatima. But we have to understand that here, the end game of attacking the family is so that priests will be attacked. The most dangerous people for the devil are holy priests. And so if you can destroy the family and get no priests from families whatsoever, that's the whole goal. That's why the final attack against human beings is against the family, is really an attack against the sacrality and the holiness of the priest. Because if you don't have a good and holy family, it's very hard to produce a good holy son who will then want to be a good and holy priest, etc. Right? That's the whole end game. The whole destruction of the church in the human element of the church. Remember, in the divine element, the church cannot be touched, right? The church is destroying, you know, Satan in her divine element because of the power of the sacraments. But in her human element, she has been ravaged because of the destruction of Satan with regards to what he has done to priests. He has deceived them. He has deceived men. He has made them think weird, modernistic things about the priesthood. And he has destroyed the priesthood through lust and impurities. And he has destroyed the priesthood by women, by men, by all of these things. And we have to really see that the devil really focuses all of his might in order to destroy the mass, right? That's what he wants to destroy because this is the fountain of grace. And who gives the mass? It is the priest. And so in order to destroy the mass, he is going to destroy priests and make them do crazy things and think crazy things and really not even become priests. And if we really think about it, you know, St. John Bosco says that a third of humanity should be priests and are religious. Third. And that makes sense because we need a lot of people to serve. You can't just have like 10 priests for a million people. That's just not possible. God in his magnificence is not going to ordain it that way. And in times past, we had tons more priests. Like for example, in a high school, a regular high school would have probably, you know, you could say five priests, maybe four priests, something like that. And they would have mass in the morning. Can you imagine daily mass in the morning? That's how high school would take attendance. 
they would have one priest saying the Mass, right? Attendance would be taken. If you didn't get a Mass on time, you were late, right? You go to Mass, then you would have maybe two or three priests in the confessional, and then the boys would go, because it would just be all boys, right? You have all girls, right? You would have your priests, you know, attending to all the girls, right? And so then here you would have all this all these priests, you know, taking care of the spiritual health of these children, right? And at a parish, you would just have all these side altars, you know, you have all these altars because there were so many priests helping at parishes to do all the sick calls, to do, you know, all the funerals, to do all of these things. And here we really see that the number of priests is really supposed to be a third or, you know, really even more. And if you think about it, right, St. John Bosco said that, back then, right? But as the world comes closer and closer to the end, you know, as we see everything collapsing more and more, it really should be a bigger number. You know, more people should actually be becoming priests and religious, you know, towards the end of the world, right? You know, he, obviously God is the one that calls, right? But here, if you really think about it, is he going to decrease the number of priests, you know, towards the end of the world? Or does he want people just to give up their entire life, you know, as the end of the world is coming, you know? Here, it just seems like we need more priests at this time. And that's what we should be praying for and sacrificing for and really showing all of our young children, you know, the glory of and the happiness of being a priest and religious. Now, obviously, women cannot be ordained. <laughs> and this is a very important topic to speak about. And this topic, you can see as soon as you say this, as soon as I say this, right, immediately, I'm like, somebody's gonna not like me, you know, somebody's gonna hate me, right. And obviously, I cannot feel like that, you know, I have to say the truth of what the church has said, you know, thank goodness, you know, St. John Paul II, right, he said, the church has no power to ordain women, right? He said that in a magisterial document, the case was shut, right? It's very important to know that St. John the Paul, St. John Paul II said that and in a document written, Pope Benedict, same thing. And uh, Pope Francis, same thing. And yet we have these people, again, deceived by the devil, thinking that, it's not fair. It's unfair that women cannot be priests, right? Because everybody's equal in every single way, right? Um, here, we have to really understand that this is a real deception. Here, to say that only men cannot, uh, to say that only men can be priests is not sexist. This is a very important thing. This world is so superficial in its reasoning. And we have to be able to um, meet people and explain to it. When we say that men only can be priests, this is not sexist at all. This is just to say that men and women have different roles. And here, women, even though they can't be priests, can be even holier than priests. This is a really important thing. And if you put all the holiness of priests together, it's actually not going to be holier than the holiness of a woman. Who is that woman? Our Lady. And she's the mother of all the priests, right? And so here a woman can have that dignity of <coughs> really helping the priests be formed when they're young and go to holiness. And so a woman can be even holier than a priest. Many nuns are going to be holier than priests. And St. Mary Magdalene is way holier than I'll ever be. And so here we see that this doesn't mean that you're unequal. Women can be so holy. I mean, women can be so much higher. 
it, that doesn't mean that it's unfair. It's, it's, can I say, therefore, it's sexist to say a woman can be holier than a man? It's not sexist at all. It's just because they're holier. <coughs> and so, you must really see that um, all these questions are really smoke and mirrors of the devil to try to deface the priesthood and to really just you know, just make people think the wrong thing about the priesthood and to turn it into this controversial subject and just try to make it seem like it's, you know, a subject that is just not, you know, worth talking about or whatever. And so we really have to see that we cannot be tricked by these things. We have to stick to the tradition of the church. Jesus only ordained men. These are the apostles, right? But that's not to say that, okay, Jesus is a sexist because here all the women who supported our Lord and all the women who really showed them, they were at the foot of the cross. All the priests ran away except for St. John, right? And so here it's really important to see that it's the women who really showed their steadfastness and our Lord recognized that. And so he appeared first, you know, to Our Lady afterwards and then to St. Mary Magdalene, right? To women first, right? And not to the apostles and thus again here everybody right cannot be deceived by these things right men and women have different roles right men are able to be ordained priests women will be those who form priests and educate them and support them in their ministry and even are able to exceed them in holiness and so we have that question about the ordination of priests. Again, this is only for men. The theological reason for this is because the sacrament is supposed to be a sign of what grace it affects. And so, for example, water is supposed to be a sign of the grace that it affects, namely washing of sin. Water in its very essence is something that washes, right? You don't use mud in order to wash something, right? So it's not in the essence of mud to clean something, right? It's essence of water to clean something. So sacrament has to have in the essence of that material thing, right? What is going to be affected by that grace? <clears throat> and so similarly with priests, right? What is the thing that is trying to be affected with the priesthood. Here, with the priesthood, there is supposed to be a cause of grace. There is supposed to be an active cause of grace. And so here, the active cause of grace you can see, for example, with confession, you're actively causing absolution so that the sins can be wiped away from somebody. You're actively causing the mass to happen by saying, this is my body, this is my blood, the chalice of my blood. You're being an active cause of that. Now, in the very essence of masculinity is activity. This is the way that God created the male body. It is active. It is a direct cause. And because of that, right, the sacramental value of masculinity then is receptive of that sacrament, right? So masculinity itself is then able to be, just like water is able to clean, what here, masculinity is able to imitate in its very nature activity, the male um, 
essence, right, masculinity is supposed to be an active cause, whereas the female body is receptive, right, even in its way, in the way that it's created by God, right, in its physical anatomy, etc., it is receptive, right, and so here, that's why the woman is not fitted to be, therefore, an active cause to give grace. This is what St. Thomas says, and so here, that's why the reason <clears throat> why our Lord only ordained men is because, again, the nature of masculinity is then able to be a sign of the paternity of God. This is why God is called Father in really his essence, right? He's an active cause of grace everywhere. And so that's what the priest is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a father to all of the spiritual sons, an active cause of grace in the spiritual sons and daughters that he engenders by giving them the sacraments and grace, etc. And so that's really the theological reason. You can do it from tradition saying Jesus only ordained apostles, right? And then you can do it from theological um, reasoning just like we did right there. Now, can women be ordained deacons? This, again, is already determined. You know, people are trying to raise this question up once again. But once again, here, it's the same thing, right? Deacons are supposed to be active causes of grace insofar as they are able to serve, right? Um, and so, in that sense, only masculinity is fitted to be an active cause in its essence, right, uh, is very important in the physical makeup of the body. It's an active cause of things. And so here, when it says Phoebe, the deaconess in the Bible, here you have to understand that the word deacon is um, here basically helper. And what that means is that when people were baptized, right, they did full-on immersion. And so when women were baptized, right, it's full immersion, their dress is going to be wet, and it's not going to be modest for a priest to look at all that, right? And so what does that mean? Right, the woman goes in, the baptism is done, and then who helps? Is a priest going to be trying to help the woman out of the water like that? Okay, you know, here they wanted to be modest, and so they had helpers, right? This is, you know, Phoebe, she's going to do that, and she's going to help the a woman out, and that's more modest to, you know, have that to dry her off, etc., all that kind of stuff. So that's what that means there. You know, it's not just like, you know, she was ordained a deacon right there, right? Um, this just means she's a helper in, like, the act of baptism or something like that. It's not that she's doing the actual baptism. And so here, all of these questions kind of swirl around, but they're, you know, pretty easy to, you know, get rid of. And the most important thing, again, is to keep our minds and hearts on the glory of the priesthood, just to see that it's an infinite gift of infinite power to just measly people like us and that we need so many vocations. We need to inspire men to see that this is a hard vocation. It is so difficult. It requires the pure grace of God in order to persevere. We can't do it by ourselves. And the amount of things that we have to do to save souls, right? This is just unimaginable. You can't even do it or think about it, except if God gives us the power. So let's pray for priests, inspire young men to be priests, um, inspire um, good mothers and women to be good religious. Uh, but here, when talking about the priesthood, really to uh, bring young men in order to 
really go and see seminarians and other priests, inspire them, really show them that uh, this is a beautiful life. And that usually is what God uses in order to drop those little seeds and really put those little seeds of vocations in that young man's heart. And you can see it in children. You know, I teach at school, um, elementary school, and just to see being a good holy, strong priest, you know, I'm not holy, but you know, you pray for me, can be holy. Um, but just to see the example of a priest, right, is just so inspiring for young children. And they want to do the same thing, right? Um, one one kid said to me, you know, he was in my office looking at all the thurbles and all the, you know, accoutrement, accoutrement of the priest. And he's like, I want to be in control of this office. You know, he's just like, so they love all the stuff of priests. And they're just like, I want to be in control of this, you know, and then they love serving. And when you really you know, find those kids, you know, who really love it. It's a lot of them. I have like 12 altar servers at my school, you know, just for a regular school mass. And, you know, their love of, you know, just wearing the cassock and the surplus and, you know, really kind of just being spiritually disciplined, you know, this is something that just resonates with the male character. So really pray for young children and inspire them, you know, let them buy them a mass set, you know, <laughs> a play mass set. So many young saints did that uh, to play mass when they were, were little kids and um, that helps them to know that that's a total possibility and God uses that in order to raise up great priests. Remember that if there were three St. John Viennese in the world, then the kingdom of Satan would be destroyed. If there were only three more St. John Viennese in the world, Satan would be destroyed. That's how powerful a priest is. So we are, I'm lacking a lot. I'm not St. John Vianney. The world is still, you know, overrun by demons and devils. So pray for us and pray that we can be good holy priests and St. John Vianney. And all you holy priests that are saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.